Hey guys, welcome to the first episode of a brand new podcast from Mission Start called All Cued Up. I'm your host, Greg Dietz. Um, with me today is my co-host, Josh Fisher. Um, what we are going to do, what the podcast is, since this is the first episode and let you know kind of what we're doing. Uh, it's my brainchild since the beginning of 2017, uh, now getting it started because you can see how long I take to do things. Um the idea of the podcast is to review a Netflix show in its entirety. A lot of podcasts out there will do a do three episodes, then review it. Not here. We're going to watch the entire series and then talk about it. Um, also, this gives me a chance to watch more shows that I might not have done before. Uh, so the first show that we're going to talk about today is American Vandal. Um, it came out September 15th, um, and uh, it's a satire of true crime documentaries, kind of like of making a murder or serial. Um, it, uh, the, the synopsis is uh, um, a series, sorry, this series follows the aftermath of a costly high school prank uh, that left 27 cars um, of the faculty vandalized with, well, dicks. Um, senior class clown Dylan is accused of the crime at the school. He's expelled, but the investigation, but an investigation going into the incident is launched by sophomore Peter who uh, to uncover if Dylan was actually the one who did the crime. So um, immediately going into the show, I had absolutely no idea. I saw uh, Josh here on Twitter mention how good it was. I saw Brittany Saturn of Half and Energy Tank say how good it was. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a chance. And that first episode hooked me so fast. Um, I, I think it was uh, night one when I started watching it. I, I think I was watching it with my mom. Because I was like, hey, you want to check out this new show? And she's like, yeah, why not? And we we did that whole thing that it's kind of a joke. We're like, one more episode? All right, one more episode. And we got like four in before we were both like, we're tired, bedtime. Um, How... Uh, how is it perceived over there, Josh? Uh, <clears throat> well, if the night of the 15th when it came out that Friday, uh, I remember I was getting ready to lie down, and it was about 12.30, and I usually like to pop something on to fall asleep to. I was like, oh, American Vandal's been loaded today. You know what? I saw the trailer for it. It seemed kind of like it might be funny. Let's give that a whirl. Eight episodes, just about a half an hour each. I'll see what that's about. Dude, I didn't go to bed until 4.35. It was like, <laughs> I, I watched the entire series right there. It's like you said. I started watching the first episode, and I was sucked in and could not stop. And it's just like, I need more of this. I need to know how this play is out i've got to know yeah, they, the next... they like it's a satire but they did an excellent job of making you want to see the next episode really badly exactly and, and i feel that it took itself seriously enough because it could have just been you know eight episodes of nothing but dick jokes and don't get yeah. me wrong dick is said quite a lot there <laughs> are the aforementioned uh dick jokes that do occur but that wasn't really the focus to me of that. It was everything that came from it, the investigation, the looking into, and it was just, 
wow. That's that I, I was I was so hot. My wife gets up the next morning, and I finally stir a little bit later than usual, and she says, "You look tired." I was like, "Yeah, you got to see this. You got to see it right now." She's like, "What?" I was like, "I watched this whole show last night." She's not a fan, <laughs> but you know, I think yeah, it's definitely not going to be for everybody. I, I have seen a few <clears throat> reviews immediately that were. Uh, perceived from the first like three episodes and that was that it seemed very juvenile very sophomoric um that it was a parody in in like of uh spinal tap and not so much um uh a, a parody of like maybe later christopher guest show or uh, uh documentaries <clears throat> but to me it was it was intentionally making fun of true crime documentaries uh especially when um especially like the the scene to me that stood out as it would like this could not possibly be taken seriously was in the true crime documentaries they do um 3d imagery to kind of show where the crime happened mm -hmm. and for this particular scene <clears throat> um by the way guys this is a spoiler podcast so <laughs> we're, going, we're going full board. We've here. already seen it, so we're not spoiling it for us. <laughs> um, there's a scene where uh, the the kids are basically at a camp that uh, was kind of a crux to the whole story. And one of the kids who um, later turned out to be kind of a compulsive liar um, claimed he had gotten a hand job from one of the more popular girls. Um, this turned out to be false, but they were trying at the time, trying to figure out if it was true or not. And to do that, they had a <clears throat> complete 3D reenactment of the camp. And there was a moment where it sh they zoomed in on the dock and it was two blue um, uh, like uh, wireframe models. And one was giving a hand job to the other. And it was like, to me, that was the like so incredibly funny because of the absurdity of using that kind of technology to show that. On top of the fact that you got to see two wireframe blue human models like doing a lewd act, and it was like to me that that was that was that scene that that basically said like this is going to make or break it for some people, and for me it made the show. For me, I was like this show is absolutely brilliant in the way that they're kind of making fun of something that probably shouldn't be a thing um and uh i think by the last episode like that final episode was so like heavy but it, dr it drove home the point that i think a lot of people don't get when they watch the true crime documentaries uh specifically meaning that we as a society kind of judge indiscriminately and we judge based on like one or two facts and not the person as a whole uh you know throughout the series um the the kids in the show the kids doing the documentary they're just like that's the liar that's the hand job girl that's an idiot like that's kind of how everyone's labeled but at the end of it you're like oh like there's more to these people there's these are humans like when you when you watch a true crime documentary you you're doing the same thing you're like that's just a lawyer that's just an asshole that guy's lying like that's that's all you're looking at them for it's like well why is the guy lying nobody's saying that nobody's asking why 
everyone's just saying that's what it is. And so I thought that message was really nice. However, I kind of picked up on that message early on since like I love satire. I don't know, Josh, did you pick up on that satire immediately or or did it hit you? It was, yeah, it was pretty early on. I mean, you know, he actually comes out and says, oh my God, look at what I've been doing. I didn't need to uncover all of this information. I didn't need to include everything, but yet I chose to. Uh, He shows how it is, how it's so easy to go down that path. And, you know, it's easy to be dismissive and just associate with labels with everything. I loved how it just delved into that. Uh, If you peel it back, there's more to see. As for the moment that caught me and said, okay, this, I mean, I know it was a silly gag and it's not the use of the 3D model and the technology making fun of, you know, bringing to light that one particular instance. The, it brought out the 12 year old in me, the whole, uh, Wayback Boys videos on YouTube, the baby farting thing. I was just like, when I was younger, I totally would have done that. I would you know, have totally you know, up to a stranger's baby and just brunt. Yeah, I think I think for me, like those those uh, scenes reminded me of of like I made those kind of films when I was younger. I mean, granted, we didn't have YouTube at the time, but there's a VHS in this house called Abnormal, where we basically did our version of Jackass, oh, and God. that's what that reminded me of. <laughs> but yeah. I think Dylan, like. Dylan's such an interesting character because, yeah, Dylan's probably not the smartest guy, but at the same time, he's not the he's not as dumb as everybody's making him out to be. He's all he's he's um throughout the entire show, he's very much concerned, like, I didn't draw the dicks. I absolutely did not do that. Um, and you believe him. You absolutely believe him. And uh but everyone's, you know, everyone's convinced they're trying to pin it on him because of his past aggressions that he's had. And, uh, um, but I think that's another message that I think is so, uh, is so brilliant about, about the satire is like, um, why, why do you as the viewer care who drew the dicks? Like, why is that so important to you? Not even just important to the characters in the story, because it's clearly why it's important to them. But I remember looking at my mom. I remember talking to other friends going, well, who drew the dicks? I got to know. I made a joke to my dad. I was like, I got to watch the rest of the show and find out who drew the dicks. And, but, you know, the question remains, like, why did you have to know? Why was it so important to your life? I love that kind of stuff. I love that cerebral, like, idea behind making like it's 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 what South Park always does so well, at least at least in the past decade they've done really well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> any thoughts, Josh? I, I'm rambling over here. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. Um, yeah. Uh, I had one just a moment ago. <laughs> I really, uh, for me, it's like I didn't really care so much about the who done it as the why done it. Um, it wasn't so, <clears throat> pardon me, scratchy throat. <clears throat> what they were going after, the whole investigation began to uncover the truth. 
you know, he's Dylan's maintaining his innocence, and Peter's like, you know what? I believe him. I want to believe that he's innocent. Let's find out who really did this. And I didn't care so much as to who did it. The why, I mean, the how was, you know, well, obviously how, but the who and how they got the, the why and how they got there, that was what was great for me. Just the journey to uncover the truth and all the things that were necessary to uncover it. And then the things that weren't necessary, you just start to see everybody as not characters, but just like, this could be a person that just lives down the street from me. You know, this could easily happen to anyone. Uh, and it's just going back to, it's too easy to just label people and you actually get to see these people as their characters, of course, as they really are. And I just thought that was a more fascinating aspect. Yeah, like there's there's a whole um, a whole I, I want to I don't I don't think there's a whole episode. It's it's definitely part of an episode, a good chunk of an episode where the two filmmakers are part of the potential suspects, and they have to basically make videos um, saying I how either of them could have drawn the dicks. Yeah, and, what would your um, motive be? Yeah, and what was so brilliant about that scene to me was. It, it it cemented the idea that neither of the filmmakers really wanted to be that scrutinized as as they were scrutinizing everybody else. They didn't want to be that narrowed down. And when it came face to face to how they were being narrowed down, they both hated it and ended up splitting up, which I thought was a very smart way to show how an individual who is judging others would not want to be judged in the same light. I don't think any of the filmmakers who do any of these other true crime documentaries would like to be shown in the same light that they are scrutinizing others. Um, I think that's at least the message the filmmakers of, of American Vandal were trying to get across. Uh, um, but it's, it's like you said, like the, the only reason I'm mentioning this is because you, you were interested in the why, not so much the who. And I think that that, that is further the point that they're trying to make is, uh, I mean, at a certain point, I'll, I'll say this, Josh, at a certain point, like I'm, I'm full on guilty of not really getting the full message until the last episode. Um, I, throughout the entire series, I was just like, this is a character and that's a character not putting into context that these archetypes are exactly what are in true crime documentaries. <clears throat> it wasn't until the end where they, he, he kind of laid out the message directly for you and was just kind of like, I, I thought to myself, like, it, I'm glad I haven't watched many of these true crime documentaries because I might have fallen into that same trap. It's See, a good way. So go ahead. Go, no, go ahead, man. I was like, it's just a good way to, it's a good way for you to think about what you're doing while you're enjoying something. I think that that's what makes this so good. Um, like any good uh, parody or satire documentary is, it's entertaining on top of the, on top of the message. Like I did care about these characters. I wanted to see where this went, but I also understood exactly what they were trying to tell me. And I absorbed that information. 
Yeah, uh, one of the things I've never really watched a lot of like true crime, true crime documentaries or anything like that. But seeing how this was presented, and that's something I also want to speak about here is the presentation of it. It's made me want to go and watch the making of Murderer now because I've never watched it. But now I want to go back and see it. Um, but I love the present the presentation style um, because it was okay. Peter, the filmmaker, the main one, he's like, I'm making this documentary. It's called American Vandal. And he's uploading it to YouTube. And the intro to the show, after the first opening, cold open, and then to the opening credits, it is American Vandal, you know, made by, created by Peter, uh, whatever his last, Maldonado, um, you know, producer, so-and-so, Sam, was he one of the producers or whatever? But it's like the actual characters from the show were, it was presented that way. And, you know, you don't have, oh, this is so-and-so is Peter, and so-and-so is Sam, and so-and-so is Dylan. It's like, no. And I thought that was also a nice little touch. <clears throat> yeah, the only time you get uh, any, like, actor names is in the credits. Yeah, the closing credits. Uh, but usually Netflix is like, do you want to watch the next episode? Like, right now? And it's, like, real tiny, and you can't really read any of the credits. Yeah. So, I mean, good on them for, I guess, doing that. But, uh, but yeah, no, you're absolutely correct. Like, it, it, it absolutely, like, the only actor that I recognized was the stepdad. That was the only actor I recognized. Uh, the stepdad of... Um, Dylan's stepdad. Was it Dylan's stepdad? I couldn't remember whose stepdad it was, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the it was the chubby comedian who's been on some sitcoms before. I can never remember his damn name. Yeah, I think I think that's who you're talking about was Dylan's stepdad. But uh the one who was just like uh, when they were talking to Dylan's cousin who was an attorney on the speakerphone, he's like, Hey, it's uncle, whatever. He's like not his uncle, man. Shut up. That guy's that's what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He um uh sorry. Okay, yeah. Sorry, I got distracted by something on Twitter. Uh, uh his name is Greg as well. That's uh yeah. Larry Joe Campbell is the actor's name. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He was the he was the only one I, I recognized. And and I'm not saying that like uh uh I do recognize couldn't have played another role in it. Um, I think it just made the the satire nation of it satire sat. It made it better in my eyes because simply because it was um, uh, I didn't know who anybody was. I could be more um, absorbed into it. Uh, I know that the guys are making a second season. Um, I'm very interested in that to see how they're going to do a different they said in an interview that they're going to do a second season of the show what i'm interested in is if it's going to be a full-on second season of american vandal or it'll be like they'll change the name or they'll just do a new show entirely that makes that that satir, satirizes something else they are definitely making a another Eight, uh, eight or twelve episodes, eight to twelve episodes of something else, but I don't know exactly what that is. That, whatever it is, I mean, based on this, I would definitely be up for watching that. 
Oh, 100%. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, that goes without saying, I think, to a certain point, just because of how well made this one is. That was another thing that I think was so interesting to me. Like, I kind of mentioned earlier the um, the 3D mapping of the the, um, hand job. the campsite with the hand job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, adding those scenes, because it wasn't just that part. There was also, like, a party that they were doing it with. Um, how they got... I'm always impressed when you can get a giant group of actors to do a bunch of things at different times, but at the right time. So that way it all seems like it happened at once. So like that party scene to me was so brilliant because they had to take footage from like eight different phones just to compile how it played out. Um, And basically it was like each actor whose phone had footage from it I imagine that they had to have, like choreograph that just right. I'm, I mean, I'm just impressed by that scene entirely. That scene in the entire series, that was the most impressive scene because of just everything that was going on, but also how it tied everything together. Yeah. It was yeah, amazing yeah, yeah. Because not only you have multiple phones, but you've got multiple locations Right. And multiple conversations going on and, you know, inside and outside, backyard, upstairs, living room, kitchen. But yet the same things are happening from different angles. And I'm sure that the choreography and the timing on that scene required a lot of practice and a lot of takes. But it was great. Absolutely. It was wonderfully, masterfully done. And, you know, that's one of the things. There are certain scenes that really stand out. Like in Reservoir Dogs, the scene where Harvey Keitel and who was it? Uh, Steve Buscemi are in the restroom. That long camera shot going down, circling around, coming back out. That's a scene that stands out visually. Or say, for instance, another Netflix episode, a Netflix original, the first season of Daredevil at the end of episode two, that hallway fight, one take in, going through that fight, rescuing the kid and out, one take and how the camera moves in and out of the rooms, that's an impactful scene that stays with you. Just like I think that the party with the clues and tying it all together, this was that impactful to me. Yeah, it, it, it definitely stands like it stands above a lot of other scenes in the show simply because of how impressive it is to have gotten that done correctly. Um I uh like you said the Daredevil scene. There was a scene my my parents were watching some like hop drama and I swear they I thought they were starting a one shot take on something and it cut and then they did something else and then it went back to it and it did it wasn't a one shot take at all and I was like, Oh man, I was all excited. Um, and that's not to say that this party scene is a one shot take because it's far from that. It's it's a bunch of different footage from different phones at the party because there was no actual cameras at the party, or at least if there were, they grained it down to make it look like from a phone. Um, but also they had like maps, like the digital map of where the spray can went, where it was found, where it ended up, what it was used for, and uh there were so many good things that came from that i think uh um i think one of the better parts is how 
I'll tell you this much. What I something that then the party scene reminded me of this. Something that I not a lot of shows do, not a lot of really smart shows do, is that if there's a mystery to be solved, it doesn't try to be quote unquote smarter than the audience. You know, and when I say smarter than the audience, what I mean by that is withhold any form of information without any clues and then surprise it on you as if you were supposed to have solved it. This show gives you everything right off the bat. You just, if you, you're paying attention, you kind of pick up on it. So for example, when um, the party scene was going on and they kept like showing a camera shot where you could see the kids talking or you heard them mention like this prank is going to be epic or something to that effect. You immediately, if you're paying attention to the show, you knew they were talking about the prank to the old man, not the prank of the dicks. Um, and uh, that's the kind of like, that's the kind of thing that I really enjoy about a show if it has a mystery to unsolve is that I don't ever feel like I couldn't have figured out along the way. That if I go back and I watch it from the beginning, I'll see things again that they totally gave me. Um, like uh, a good example of that kind of thing happening is um, Fight Club. Like it's right off the, like in the beginning, uh, in the beginning of it, it straight up is like, yeah, this is a thing. Um, and uh, the, the spoiler on that is Tyler Durden and whatnot. Um, but yeah, they tell you that, that in the beginning of Fight Club, like early on, that Tyler Durden's not real. But you don't know that if, if you know, you haven't watched it for the first time. You could have figured it out had you known there was a mystery. But point being is that this show didn't pretend it was smarter than its audience. This show absolutely wanted you to figure things out. It wanted you to think about who could have done it and why. Um, it wanted you to make a list. But then it kind of at the very end wanted you to feel a little bit guilty about making that list. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm rambling a little bit here because I'm trying to come. I'm trying to make the point that not only the party scene, every episode leading up to the final moment in the show was so well planned and so well choreographed that this is definitely one of those like diamonds in the rough. Like you kind of have to watch it to believe it, sort of thing. Because you hear, oh, a guy drew dicks on cars and they're trying to figure it out. That doesn't sound super compelling. Um, but my God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the uh, the act itself, not so compelling. But when you look at the lack of evidence that this kid was basically accused of and punished for, that was the hook to say, okay, maybe he is innocent. Let's find out what's going on. And then, boom, the fun begins. Uh, but, yeah, another another thing that uh, really uh, stood out to me for some reason is the one kid, though, that one kid that was always lying. Uh, his name escapes me for some reason. Um yeah, but you know the one I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. I'm, the I'm one who initially him. reported, hey, I saw him. He was doing it. It was him. It's yeah. just something about him. 
it's like, yeah, well, you know, so-and-so, whatever. I mean, I got a hand job from Sarah Pearson, but you don't hear me bragging about it, right? He was always humble bragging and everything. Uh, it's just a funny character trait that I thought was uh, very amusing about him. And something that you said had brought that to my mind, and I don't even remember why, but now I'm rambling. That's <laughs> uh, fine. I, I think I think I know exactly what you're talking about. He, um, uh, the actor, the, the actor himself was very um, smart about how he lied. I, I have to imagine that the directors kind of went up to him and were just like, "Okay, so here's the situation." You are you are a compulsive liar. You've lied about having a hand job from this Sarah girl, and um, your character is basically he he thinks that he's smarter than everybody else, but he's really not. And there's certain tells in his face, and the actor was just like, "Got it," and did that shit. Oh yeah, yeah, because you could tell, especially when he was lying, he had this tendency. You know, his eyes were really shifty, and he always used it like hundred percent. Yeah. 100%. 100%. And it's like, okay, he's lying. And they yeah, made it yeah. clear. But, oh, yeah. Yeah, that kind of Such that kind of stuff was really, really brilliant. All brilliant. right, so I think we're going to um, I think we're gonna wrap up uh, American Vandal. Um, before we do, um, I couldn't think of a rating system for this, so I think what we'll do is we'll just say, like, if we, how strongly we recommend it. Um, I would say that if you are a fan of uh, um mockumentaries or um a fan of satire as a whole definitely check out this show um don't look at it as sophomore humor because it's not it's more than that yeah there is the linchpin of sophomore humor but at the same time there's there's just it's it's like having a piece of candy that has like gold in the center is kind of what i like to think of it as. so i i highly recommend it um what about you josh I absolutely give it a strong recommend. Um, I've told a couple of people about it. You know, last week when I was helping out uh, my friends at the uh, game store, uh, we were sitting there and I brought it up. And my buddy, uh, he he messaged me when we were uh, doing the party games on Saturday night. He's like, so I binged watched it. Yeah. He's like, my girlfriend hates you now because she had to take a study break because she had to binge watch it too. <laughs> and she's, she's in nursing school. She's like, blew off a whole day of studying to watch the show. Another <laughs> friend of mine, they, I, I was like, dude, you got to watch this. He's like, no, I hate mockumentaries. I hate things like that. I was like, give it one episode and I'll watch something that I would never watch that you insist I watch. He's like, all right, fine. Halfway through the first episode, he's like, all right, you got me. I'm hooked. It is not for everyone, but it is so good it could possibly change your perspective and you would thoroughly enjoy it. I recommend it to anyone. Give it a chance. You know, I love it. I think it's brilliant. Bravo Netflix. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, all right. So uh, here's the part of the show where we switch to the different or to a, to a different show, to a, to the different show. Good talking, Greg. Um, that's not edited out. Anthony, don't edit that out. Um, the next show we're going to talk about has a little bit of controversy behind it. We'll get to that. It is called Big Mouth. Um, it is um, created by Nick Kroll, Andrew Goldberg, Mark Levin, and Jennifer Flackett. And um, it's basically it's ba- it's it's basically uh, Nick Kroll's teenage years, um, but not like the gold show Goldbergs. Like if the show Goldbergs could be dirtier. Um, 
there is no synopsis for me to read, so I'll just kind of give you the best synopsis I can. It is an animated comedy show, uh, kind of blue comedy, if you will, where um, a series of kids are going through puberty. And as you go through puberty, things kind of suck. And uh, so there's a lot of a lot of the comedy and the crux around that comedy is based on that. Um, the uh, the controversy. We'll start with controversy because that's how this podcast goes. We start with controversy. Uh, when Netflix put out the, the trailer a few weeks ago, uh, not a few, a couple weeks ago, um, they showed a particular scene. And again, this is a spoiler cast. So if you have not watched the show, go do that and then come back. Um, but there is a there's a specific scene where one of the girls going through puberty um, is being told by her hormone monstrous to get in, to to get familiar with herself, meaning uh, play with her vagina a little bit. Um, so she takes a mirror, puts it between her legs, and has a full-on conversation with her vagina. So for the audience, what you get to see is her talking to her vagina that is animated and talking back to her. The reason this got so much hate on the internet is because it shows a... 11 12 year old girl's vagina animated of course and it's talking and it has eyes but voiced by Kristen wig just for that episode too yes uh the very talented Kristen wig which is hilarious to me that so many people looked over that uh then again they didn't care that she was in the ghostbusters they hated that too anyway um uh the scene is hilarious it plays out as if two people are meeting for the first time uh, to adults, to be specific, like they talk over each other's words on accident, and um, uh, it's not meant to be sexual. At least showing the vagina is not meant to be sexual. There is a slight sexualness later, but not not on camera necessarily. Um, but the show overall has a lot of dirty, dirty humor based around going through puberty as a teenager. So a lot of people. A lot of people uh, in the comments of YouTube, a lot of people on the comments on Twitter have basically said that the show is for pedophiles. That the show is only going to garner the audience of people who find genitalia on a, on a child funny and or attractive. I say that this is the utmost bullshit because that's not the point of it. Uh, the point of it is to laugh at the, at the absurdity of animated puberty but also making a point about animated about this puberty that puberty fucking sucks um so now that that controversy is out of the way uh let's you know let's kind of talk about the positivity of the show uh the positivity is comes from the idea that as you go through puberty as a kid there are upsides and downsides uh probably more downsides but um it's a very confusing time and as with any confusing time in, a, in an individual life, there are funny, there's funny things to come out of it, especially if you're an adult. You think back to a time when you were going through that, those changes and you were, you, you, the choices you made, the things that you saw, the things you did are funny as an adult. There are things that I tell people now from when I was a, when I was going through puberty that are hilarious. Something I did when I was 12 is still used now at 34 as an adult. Um, as a joke. Like, no more than a joke. And um, uh, that seems to be what the writers are doing here. 
taking personal experiences of puberty when they were that age and tying it to these five different characters. And to me, this show is absolutely one of the funniest shows I've ever watched. And it's not just puberty jokes. There aren't just puberty jokes. There are some really, really good cerebral jokes. One of my favorites was the pit bull that um, is self-aware. Um, the boys go into a friend's house, and when uh, when they meet up with, they see this dog for the first time. Their friend says, uh, "Yeah, he's pretty vicious, but if you put a mirror in front of him, he'll stop because he's self-aware." And so they put a mirror in front of the dog, and the dog stops barking and just stares at himself. Later, when they're escaping the house, they use the same mirror in front of the dog, and so the dog goes like. Bark, 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 me, me, me. I lost my shit. That was so funny. And there are so many brilliant moments like that throughout the entire show. So you have different forms of comedy. You have the sophomoric blue comedy, and you have the cerebral um, smart comedy. Plus, you do have a couple like where Family Guy might fall in line. And um, those can be funny. I mean, they're not bad. It's not like they do the um, flashback sort of thing. It's just kind of like an awkward situation, a sitcom-y sort of joke. Um, so for, for to me, after having watched all the episodes and, and laughing throughout the entire thing, and um, I have to say that people's people's concern about it being too much or too far is mostly unfounded. Um, I think that comedy has every right to go as far as it wants. Um, and if it's not for you, it's not for you. But at the same time, how do you know it's not for you unless you give it a shot? Also, I think you have to have a little bit of an open mind to watch this show. So there's that. But um, Josh, what was your uh, impression watching it? Man, it took me right back to 12-year-old me. Immediately, I thought, oh, my God. Not only did it bring about the 12-year-old humor in me, but more than anything, it evoked the awkwardness, the confusion, the fright of being a 12-year-old going through those things. They nailed it. And not just from a male perspective, Misty watched this with me, too. She absolutely loved it. The vagina mirror scene. She laughed, but she said they nailed it for a girl going through puberty through this. They nailed all the extreme emotions, the range that you go through. It was so well handled. And I think more than anything... Just like you were saying, um, looking back on those experiences as an adult, they were terrifying in the moment or awkward in the moment. Now they are just funny as hell. Mm -hmm. And that's what this show does so well. And it, it's like you said, there are there's cerebral comedy, there's just absurd comedy, and then there's a little bit of the toilet humor too. But overall, as a package, yeah, this is definitely a show that's not for everyone. I wouldn't let my little girl watch it, even though she's about to come up on the very things that they're dealing with. Uh, yeah, def I, would, I, would, I wouldn't even let a kid going through those things watch this show No, no. Maybe, you know, maybe somebody who was a little older 
but it definitely takes a more mature mind to enjoy the show. Uh, I think I think one of my favorite jokes, like it was a whole it was a whole bit. It was uh, the, the the girl who did the mirror vagina thing. Uh, she went through her first period while on a field trip at the Statue of Liberty. Uh, she found wore the white uh, shorts. Yeah, she had white shorts on, which I'm sure every girl has experienced in some way, fashion, or form. On top of that, she didn't have any like pads or tampons with her because she bolted her first one. So she's looking for uh, toilet paper. There's no toilet paper in any of the stalls. So she has to confide in a friend to help her out. Um, but in the same time, she then needs to talk to a female. So the show goes into that um, uh, subliminal, not subliminal, but um, surreal uh, uh, territory and has her have a conversation with the Statue of Liberty. Here's where the cerebral part kicks in. The Statue of Liberty had a fucking French accent. That was so funny to me because, well, if you know anything about the Statue of Liberty, it was a gift from France. History and, lesson, folks. You're here to learn things, too. <laughs> but the Statue of Liberty also gives, like, really, sh like, not super shitty advice, but also, like, super real advice. It was just, a, it was a brilliant scene overall. Both taking the, that, that, that blue comedy, the realistic comedy, and the surreal, and just combining it into one thing that I was just like, ah, beautiful. Yes, yes. It was, uh, and just the combination of those things just tickles me right in the funny bone and it, it's, just, it it's another one that makes me want more uh i really enjoyed it i hope that it gets a second season i but, do too i think i think it's it's getting decent views yeah um, i pulled up the cast list on imdb and it's rated like 8.2 out of 10 so that's good yeah that that's that's the funny thing like if you go to um uh, I'll go to Metacritic real quick because that was that was something that made me laugh was uh, um, people who kind of understand the comedy that they're doing or critics in general found it very good, very funny. Um, uh, but but the like it's an it's an eighty oh, so it's an eighty percent on Metacritic, which that's really high. That's really yeah. high, especially for an animated show. Um, okay, so the 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 user score is seven point uh, The when I when, after when I watched it, it was like at a three, and I was like, why? And it was like, oh, because it had like one positive and three negative, but now it's got seven positive and three negative, and those three negative are hysterical. Um, would you like me to read one? Please. So this was from Prof Potato on October 1st. Um, they say, if Netflix thinks this show is going to save them from debt, as it seems because of all their advertising for the sh that the show gets, Netflix is doomed. This show is decently animated. The voice acting is all right, though. Uh, both of those are things that all television shows that are animated have. The good ends there. The dialogue is on par with Bad Family Guy. The art style is this hideous fisheye thing, and the plot is just about the most bland thing I've seen in quite some time. But hey, with... I'm sorry, but with, hey, look at sex organ joke, thrown in every five seconds. How this show is highly rated critically by uh, and by users is is odd and a bit sad. There's so, much, there's so many better shows out there. That got a one out of ten. Uh... Oh. 
So that's another thing I want to touch on. I like the animation in this. I like the art style. Uh, that was something about the animation that I really liked was how it, it was unique enough to where it didn't seem like anything else. Um, it seemed like maybe something that would have been in a 90s cartoon on Nickelodeon. Um, but it, it, it really frustrates me that it's getting so much flack for looking like Family Guy. I don't understand that. It, to me, it, it looked unique to anything else. Yeah, I've not ever really watched enough Family Guy to get that vibe, but I'm familiar enough with it to totally not get a Family Guy vibe at all. I mean, it, it to me, it stands alone as its own thing. So, yeah, that's yeah. just weird critique. Yeah, it, it's super, yeah, like, I, I mean, I've heard it a lot. Like, people are complaining how the new Magic School Bus is also looking like crap because it looks like that, or the new Scooby-Doo, and I'm just like, None of you complain about how certain cartoons looked a certain at a, a certain time. I hate um, rubbery animation from the seventies. Like I just can't stand it. It looks just gross to me. But everyone's cool with that because it's classic or it's it's different. I, I could get into that whole diatribe, and I'm not going to right now. It's not necessary. <laughs> point it's is, all we had. <laughs> point is, the animation in this does not suck. Um. If you don't like it, if you don't like the art style, that's fine. That's totally subjective and up to you, but it didn't bother me one bit. It just reminded me of 90s Nickelodeon cartoons. That's all it did. Um, yeah, for... kind of reminiscent in the way that um, Rocco's Modern Life. That exa Yeah, exactly. I was kind thinking of that and... vibe of the animation style. Not particularly that, but the most relatable, I guess. Uh, I was thinking that and like and like design character design reminded me of uh, Auro Monsters. Um, but uh, I think that the acting is some of the best of animated shows on Netflix in a long time, and not just because I think the comedians are good. Because let's be honest, I didn't like Nick Kroll's show on 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 uh, Comedy Central, but I like Nick Kroll. And he's the um, he's one of the two main characters. Uh, just to kind of run down the cast list real quick: uh, Nick Kroll, John Mulaney, Jesse Klein, Jason Manzukis, Jenny Slate, Fred Armisen, Maya Rudolph, and Jason Peele. Those are the main. That's the main cast. Like and they all have. What's that? Who was that last one you said? Uh, jo Jordan Peele. Oh, oh, Jordan Peele, yeah. The ghost of Duke Ellington. Yeah. Oh, my God, that was, that's, that right there. Oh. No, it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. Um, the, uh, there's a lot of guest stars, too. Like, I'm not going to run all of them, but we have uh, Richard Kind, uh, Rob Hubels, Kat Dennings, Kristen Bell. Uh, Mark Duplass, uh, Paul Shear, Nathan Fillion, Kristen Wiig. Um, we have uh, Mae Whitman, John Hamm, Jack McBrayer, Craig Robinson. Um, and the list goes on. It's. I also love the fact that Nathan Fillion just guest starred as himself. You know, yeah. he's like, oh, I'm yeah. Nathan Fillion. <laughs> yeah, that like. 
there is one guest like a lot of the guest appearances remind me of when south park had george clooney do a dog's voice just a dog's bark and that was like john ham doing the scallops that to me was oh john was, ham was the scallops yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, great um uh there was a few other ones that were really really good but i think uh um, I think some of the some of the best comedy, in my opinion, came from everything surrounding the gym or the the uh, PE teacher. I loved him, Coach Steve. Yeah, I uh, think that's actually Jason Manzuka. No, Nick Kroll vo- voices him too. Wow. Okay. Jeez. Who did According Jason to this cast do? list I'm looking at? Jason Manzuka did uh, Jay the magician. Oh, okay. I hear it now. I totally hear it now. My, yeah, that makes that makes more sense. Oh oh my God, Coach Steve, man, I loved the Coach Steve character because he is a blithering idiot, but all he wants is just some validation. He just wants to be considered a friend. He wants to be perceived as having some value to anyone, and clearly nobody does. And even when he, the when Nick and Andrew just flat out use him to go into the city in that one episode, and he realizes you guys lied to me, you looked me in the eye and lied to me. That's an act of a true friend. <laughs> I, that, that just slayed me. Yeah, it's 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 that kind of stuff throughout the whole show. That's genuinely some of the best comedy. Um, there was a really good, uh poop joke um where it was early on they were they were on like a like a field trip on a bus i think this was when they were coming back from the statue of liberty and coach steve is just just like running out of the bus to a gas station because he has to poop so bad and then he gets back on the bus a little bit later and he's like oh it's it's like a photo finish i almost didn't make it and then like five minutes go by a whole scene has happened and they're off the bus and somebody's like yeah i'm gonna go change and then he's like yeah me too i lied about about me almost not making it yeah yeah <laughs> it's little things like that or like how self-aware the show is like i love how self-aware it is um um the uh there was a scene where they had a callback to the first episode a joke from the first episode which was like i don't remember what the joke was but they they like uh um the hormone monster looked directly at the camera and was just like, see, that's a joke from episode one if you had watched the whole series. You guys are binge-watching it, right? Yeah, you're there binge-watching the whole show. It's fine. Like, stuff like that was so good. I love that kind of just self-referential humor. Or yeah. um, uh, when uh, <clears throat> the the running gag of the whole show was whenever somebody's talking about something that's not true, they're just like, you're thinking about it and we're talking about it. Um, yeah, it's it really, really well done. Or the uh, random dance number on like the second to last episode. Oh my god, that where they're the electric slide at a bar mitzvah. Yeah. Oh, life oh, is a so fucked up mess. It's so good. It's just stuff like that that really stands out and makes me go, "This this show really knows what it's trying to do." I think that a lot of people will dismiss it for a couple reasons. First off animated that's immediately going to turn a few people off the second thing is why would somebody want to watch a show about going through puberty that's not like a coming of age tale and more like a coming of age tale um 
I mean, the tagline for the show is they're coming, they're coming of age all over the place. So, I mean, if that doesn't tell you what kind of show you're getting into, I don't know what would. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely doesn't pretend to be something it's not. It's like, okay, we're going to use these jokes. I, I had a situation. Go ahead. Sorry, I'm interrupting you. Oh, um, but you know, there's other things too. That's just basically what I was going to do. Um, there was a. I'm sure everyone heard that honking. Um, thanks, car. Uh, oh, that was on your end. Yeah. Some uh, some kid is probably sitting out in front of my apartment, just like I'm a honkus horn, yay. Um. Anywho, uh. Oh my god, I lost my train of thought entirely. Um. Wow. Well, while you're thinking about that, another thing I thought was a clever use of humor. Um, the episode where Nick and Andrew go into the city to meet this girl that he met at summer camp. Um, her friend, his pet Dolphoodle, the dolphin-poodle <laughs> hybrid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like his name's Kevin. He'll bite your fingers because he thinks they're baby carrots. He thinks they're baby carrots. It's just like, okay, that's just the weirdest thing. Yeah. But later on, they see their friend's mother making out with another woman, her friend who is her friend's mother who is married, and they're struggling with, oh my God, we should tell her she needs to know this. And they see her and she comes up to them. She's, how was the trip to the city? We saw things that you don't want to see. She's like, really? Like what? It's like people. We saw a dog poodle. People are breeding dolphins and poodles together to make dolphin human hybrids that eat fingers because they think they're baby carrots. And this like, well, that was just used just as a placeholder because they could not live with the fact that they knew this horrible fact about their mother. Their mother is being unfaithful. Uh, her mother was being unfaithful to her father and they just knew that it would devastate her. They did not want to be the reason of delivering the bad news. They saw, they, they thought that her devastation, that would crush her. It would be our fault because we did this. You know, we don't want that to happen. So it's, there are absurd things like a dolphoodle used for heavy themes like that that's where the brilliance of this show comes into play for me right exactly exactly i think uh there is a there's a whole episode based around the idea of the boys discovering that girls are horny too or, or and their heads just explode oh i remember when i was that age and i discovered that girls were also horny and it was that kind of same revelation i think um but also like like discovering for the first time that girls have periods or that how they have periods was in in it to an extent kind of gross and to emphasize that like <laughs> when one of the kids heard it for the first time he just pukes immediately um that's that kind of like realistic but not realistic comedy like they're like yeah you probably as a teenage boy were kind of grossed out by the by the thought of it. well now we're just gonna amp up that dial and that's 
the show does that so often. But like you like you said, like there's proper character development because that's what growing up with puberty is. Character development. You are becoming a person. You are discovering who you are, both you know, sexually and not sexually. Like there's a lot of in and out of relationships in this show. And um uh I think it's like uh uh one of the scenes that is really really fucking funny but also at the same time 100% true is um after that that trip to this to the uh Statue of Liberty the hormone monstrous voiced by um oh my god I can't remember her name now Maya Rudolph Ugh, couldn't think of her name suddenly um Maya Rudolph uh <laughs> basically tells tells the girl Jenny uh um or Jesse, sorry, Jesse, uh, that you hate your mom and you're going to start calling her by her first name. <laughs> and so when her mom walks into the room, she turns around and screams at her mom to get out. And I, uh, I 100% know that most girls have gone through that, where they're just like, un like irrationally angry at their at their parents. I mean, shit, guys go through that too, not just not just girls. Um, mm -hmm. But it's My just little things like, it's little brilliant things like that, like. Uh, like you said, like you know, them not wanting to tell Jesse that that her mom's cheating on her dad with another woman, um, or or uh, the Jewish boy going through the fact that he has to um, that his dad is is not very open and receptive to emotional stuff, um, like he has to go through that. You know, there's a whole episode where one of the kids is figuring out if they're gay or not and like that like it's it's everything that most kids have gone through in a realistic setting but also on top of that we got dick and poop jokes i mean really and you know my grandmother always said everything's better or dick and fart jokes are always funny okay my grandmother really never said that but um <laughs> the the uh, <laughs> the, uh, the part, though, where, you know, the one kid is struggling. Oh, am I gay? Oh, my God. What if I am gay? And he didn't want his best friend to know. And finally, you know, he's like, dude, you've been acting weird. What's going on? He's like, ah. he's like, I think I might be gay. And then his friend, you know, he's trying to explain. It. His friend just grabs him by the back of the head and kisses him. He's like, so, feel anything? No, that was pretty gross. He's like, yeah, so you gay? He's like, nope. Good to know. And they just go and hang out. And it's like, huh, you know, one day that'll probably be a hilarious story. But I'm sure at the time, he's like, oh, my God, did this just happen? And, ew, that was gross. But, you know, at the same time, what a friend. What a friend to just, you know, well, let's put this theory to the test. Yeah. Right now. Let's go. Let's find out. Let's get this bullshit out of the way, you know. And I don't mean to say it like in a derogatory sense. Of course, I would never do that. I'm saying just you're, if you are, you are. By, by bullshit, I think you mean through it. You yeah, know, the anxiety of the situation. The anxiety of the situation. Yes. Thank you. Um, I think that there's also a brilliant part of the show where it is about teenagers going through puberty, but they the writers don't stop there. They go, being alive on this planet 
fucking sucks. And uh, there's a lot of stuff that happens throughout your life that you're not going to understand no matter what age you are. Um, and that is uh, exemplified with Jesse's mom. Uh, during the bar mitzvah, or the bat mitzvah, sorry, there's a conversation between Jesse and her mom. And her mom is just like, I don't know. I don't know if I love your dad. I don't know if I love this woman. I just know that I'm trying new things because I don't know. That is so, that, that resonated with me so much. Because who does know exactly who they are at any point in the I mean, for, for years, and to not make this show political, because I'm not trying to make it political in any way, shape, or form, but we've had a lot of uh, people in, in Congress or just people in political positions who are very anti-gay turn out to be, like, or have gay tendencies. That has been a common thing that we have seen over the course of years. Um, and not just congressmen either, but I'm talking about, like, there's been a lot of people who are much older in their 60s, still discovering who they are. I don't think you ever stop discovering who you are, and the show definitely wanted to get that point across, while also making Maurice, the hormone monster, make some derogatory dick joke. And I think that that, to me, is why the show just is so good. Because it doesn't seem like it's two separate things. I think that's important. Like, yes, there are the heavy, heavy messages the show wants to get across. But when they do it, it doesn't feel off from a joke. So for example, that scene where Jesse's talking to her mom is followed up by a hilarious uh, um, dance number that we kind of mentioned earlier that is titled Life is a Fucked Up Mess. The song itself resonates with the scenes we just saw, but is funny because it's that it's got that dark humor to it. And the show knows how to properly do that. I never felt throughout the entire show that a joke or a comment was out of place. Exactly. Yeah, everything, that, and that's like back to the Delfoodle. Weird at the time, but reflecting back, well, that's why that was there. This weird thing helped to serve that purpose. You know, or the uh, um, the one episode that was a dream. You know, the yeah. what for a majority of the time. Coach Steve's hormone monster. <laughs> That's four words yeah. I never thought I would utter out of my mouth in my entire life. Coach Steve's hormone monster. Oh my god. J this, this it's it's great i love it <laughs> yeah no yeah there's uh, i'm trying to think of some other moments that that really stood out for me because there's so many good ones like there's so the many pillow. the whole pillow bit so here's what's okay so that's like i don't even remember what the subplot because there was two plots in that episode there was something going on with the two main characters and jesse or i guess you could call them the three main characters of the and then you had jay they're nasty magician brother who lived in a really shitty household um and uh, he had a pillow in which he, he had described earlier in the show in an earlier episode that he basically takes two bags of soup uh microwaves them to exactly 98 point degrees puts them inside a pillow like a like a pillow that he's cut a slot in and then fucks it and then eats the soup uh which yeah, is like, like yeah. 
<laughs> so uh this particular scene shows him finishing inside the, the pillow and then immediately the pillow like starts talking to him actually i'm gonna look up who did the voice of the pillow because i don't think i don't know but the pillow was named pam so let's the take pillow a look. was named pam oh yep. Kristen bell oh Kristen bell did the voice that's great yeah jay's pillow is what the uh title or the the ta- or the character name was on this list oh uh, that's that's fantastic yeah so so the whole the whole plot if you haven't watched the show i'm about to spoil it for you a little bit the entire plot was about how the pillow got pregnant um and jay was freaking out about being a father and it was this weird like it was this weird arc of how a guy kind of goes through learning that he's that he's going to have a kid and coming to terms with it. Um, all while at the same time, it being from this character that is probably 13, 12, 13 years old. 13. Um, and it really, it really intelligently like kind of showcases that, but being absurd enough to be comical. Uh, and it resolves itself by the pillow running away. But, um, after he discovers that the baby that the pillow has um, <laughs> looked just like his brother. And what was also funny is the pillow, he stays home from school. The pillow has the baby that day. He actually alludes to, I don't know the gestation period of a human pillow hybrid. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the rules are here. <laughs> oh. Turned out it was maybe a week. <laughs> oh, so funny. Um, yeah, that whole bit was, I mean, it, it was so funny and stood out so strongly from whatever happened in that episode that I honestly don't, remember. um, there's even a subplot with, uh, coach Steve, um, like being with a girl, being with another woman. That was from the dream episode. She, she viewed him as, uh, special. She's like, oh, you're just like my brother. You're special. He's like, I am special. I love you. Will you marry me? You know, and she's thinking, you know, he's got low-level IQ, low-level intelligence, special needs kind of person. He thinks that, oh, I'm special to her. And and finally, she's like, oh, I just see you as a friend. And this harkens back to what I said about Coach Steve earlier. He just wanted some validation in his life. She referred to him as a friend. He's like, you just made me the happiest man on earth. You called me friend. (laughs) And and I was just like, oh, he just got brutally shot down in a nice way. But at the same time, he's happy about it. I, I laugh really hard at the scene with the gay kid and him and the gay kids like, (laughs) like insults him like three times. And then he goes, I really admire the way you're able to shake off my insults. And he's like, right back at you. <laughs> yeah. But There's, going uh, back to just... the... Sorry. Go ahead. No, going back to the J and the pillow thing, though. As a male and a father, Misty and I, we had been seeing each other a little over a year. And the morning that she told me that she thought she was pregnant, I was Jay. I was like, wow. What? I was, I never wanted kids. I was terrified. 
I always had this thought, I can't even take care of myself. How am I supposed to be expected to take care of a human? What am I going to do? What if she and I don't work out? What if, what if, what if? And it was a long process throughout the day of accept- she hit it she hit me with that shit on the way to work like we had just pulled out of the driveway and we're on our way to work and it's like a 35 minute drive to work from where we lived at the time. And we both worked at the same place right before work and i'm just i have this look of shock on my face the entire day everybody's like what's wrong what's wrong i'm like uh, 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 nothing i'm good that that moment, even though the absurdity of it with the whole having a kid with a pillow, human pillow hybrid, that was funny, but the weight of the emotion hit home so hard for me. That's what this show does so well, even though it is, I mean, there are some ridiculous, comedic, absurd things about it. It accurately portrays the emotion through the animation and the scenarios. And that's what I really, really appreciate about this show. Yeah, I completely agree. I think uh, I think a lot of the time the show um, handles handles realistic moments in very unique ways. And that's what I really enjoyed about it. Um, uh, the scene in which uh, Jay's brothers are almost forcing uh, the main character to the main characters to play just kit. Jizz kit. Oh, ho, 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 ho. Uh, it's oh. disgusting. If you don't know what just kit is, it's the same thing as a limp biscuit. Um, uh, oh. We're going to have to rate this podcast explicit. Um, <laughs> it's a game where uh guys a group of guys stand around a cracker triscuit biscuit what have you and they all masturbate until they finish on it the last guy to finish on it has to then eat it absolutely one of the grossest things i've ever heard in my life but it's a real game it's a real thing it is Uh, i did not know that some people have experienced it as a matter of fact I was trying to tell my dad about funny things that happened in the show, and I mentioned this scene. And he just goes, I'm not watching it then. I'm not, I'm not, I experienced that. I'm not watching it. And I was like, wait, you involved yourself in something like that? He's like, no, I, somebody was trying to get me to do it. And I was like, ugh. <laughs> so gross. Oh, um, that just reminded me of something else. <laughs> what's that? What, what, that what's that's relevant to the show. The part of the show where the guys, they girls get horny too and their heads explode and it's like their neck's just the stump of a lip match or something yeah later on that night and the the other subplot in that show is all the girls they're obsessed with that book the rock of gibraltar and fatima and gustavo his parents making out role-playing that and they leave the door open and he walks by and he's like oh my god girls get horny too my mom's a woman oh Oh, and you know he just gets sick. I'm sure we've all been there because oh, yeah, I know yeah. I was. Oh, oh God, yeah. But then, of course, you know Maurice, the hormone monster. 
closing out that episode with like a 60 to 90 second monologue of just nut jokes about how big oh my nuts are. It was so good. He's just like, I can't get your dad's ball sack out of my head. It was just gigantic. It's like, you think any, you think he was ever had a pillow fight and hit anybody or hit anybody in the head with that pillow sack full of watermelons? Knock them. <laughs> 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 oh, it's so good. It's so funny. I we got to wrap up this podcast, so we're gonna do the recommendation, which I'm pretty sure you can already figure out where this is going. Oh yeah, um, this show is absolutely brilliant. It it takes both. It takes different types of comedy, different types of realistic scenarios, and mashes them together in something that's so coherent and and well thought out that um, I'm I'm dying for season two. I. It's. I really hope that they get made. That it gets made. I haven't heard whether it's been greenlit or not. Um, but my God, it, it, I highly, highly recommend it. Especially if you like, if you have an open mind and you like kind of the the, the kind of comedy that comes from people who find the funny things in absurd situations. Definitely check it out. What about you, Josh? Oh, I absolutely 100% recommend it, even if you don't have an open mind. Because, hey, just like with, you know, other things, I, I'm always like, don't judge a show based on the premise. Give it a shot. If, it, if somebody has taken enough time to say, hey, I think you should check this out, I think you would enjoy it. There is a reason they think you're going to enjoy it. At least give it a shot. And my recommend, I, re I recommend it. So I would recommend that anybody just gives it a shot, see what you think. You'd probably be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I yeah, you're not wrong. I think uh, people should definitely give it a shot. Regardless, um, you never know what you're going to enjoy. Uh, that being said, guys, that is gonna that is gonna tie up the the first episode, almost the last. That was weird. The first episode of All Queued Up, the unofficial Netflix podcast. Um, we uh, The plan for this show is to do this every other week. Um, that way it gives us time to watch at least two full series. Like I said, the rule of the podcast is to have seen the entire show. Um, uh, we are looking for other guests to add on occasionally. Uh, we're also looking for recommendations that you guys want us to talk about. Um, and nothing's off the table. Granted, we did talk about two comedies on the first episode, but I thought, why not take two shows that both Josh and I really enjoyed to kind of showcase what we want the show to be. Um, but we're not above watching something that maybe is known as garbage or uh, something else in that regard. I will say this, that if it is a show that has multiple seasons and you recommend for us to watch it, we'll probably do one season at a time um just because that is a lot to absorb and then talk about on a podcast within that a lot of time um but guys yes please um please do that i just started a twitter account which i'll have anthony um add to uh the uh the, the card that's around here it's at queued up podcast um definitely follow that and let us know what you want uh you can follow me on Twitter at Chub Rock Geek. You can see me every um, Saturday night on Half Empty Energy Tank. That's twitch.tv slash half empty e tank. Um, I'll, uh, that's where I play games and talk about random stuff. 
Um, I also write reviews for Mission Star Podcast. I just did one on Destiny 2. That is currently up. Um, I'll be writing one for Cuphead very soon. So look out for that. Um, uh, Josh, where they can, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, well, uh, twitch.tv, uh, nsabanur1976. Uh, Twitter is the same, at nsabanur1976, as is below the screen there. Um, uh, stream on Twitch. Uh, I do a variety of things. I do some gaming, uh, model building, painting, miniature painting, things like that. Uh, but yeah, now we're adding this to it. So really excited. Also, my personal uh, Twitter is, uh, oh, I already said that, didn't I? Well, yeah. <laughs> That's fine. We're, I forgot they're the exact of... same name. The Twitch and the Twitter are the same name. We're ironing out the kings here. I don't host any shows on Mission Start. I'm racking my brain. I got to write some things down to make sure that I have an, a proper exit. Uh, but guys, um, uh, any, any other, any other, uh, real quick, Josh? Uh, no, no, I think we, uh, covered pretty much everything we wanted to say and, uh, really excited. And hopefully you guys can, uh, give us some suggestions on, uh, what you want to hear our opinions on next. Yes. Yes, please do. Um, again, guys, uh, thank you for sitting through this entire first episode. Um, uh, over the course of time, we will get better at uh, time limits and stuff like that. I think we went a little over on um, Big Mouth with us because it's a good show. It's a real good show. Uh, I think that's going to be it, guys. Um, again, follow Mission Start Podcast at Mission Start P. Um, you can find all of our podcasts on uh, missionstartpodcast.com. That's the Rolling 20s, uh, where they basically talk about comic books and pop culture. Uh, we have the con over where we discuss uh, latest convention coverage news and just convention coverage as a whole. Um, we have the Mission Start podcast that I'm a member of or a part of, and we discuss all video game news that happens throughout the week. Um, and uh, we also have um, Anthony hosts a competitive Skullgirls show called Monday Night Blockbuster. I think I have that correctly. I might be wrong, but it's Monday nights. Uh, where he basically uh, showcases competitive Skullgirl tournaments. Um, so come check out any of that kind of stuff. We have content on our YouTube channel. That is uh, uh, youtube.com slash Mission Star Podcast or Mission Star P. I think it's podcast. Again, ironing out the kinks this week. I'll have it better for the uh, next, next episode. Um, but again, guys, thank you for being here, and we will see you next time.